technologies are never neutral, no. right? They're always doing something to you. Yeah. And like the old example is if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail, yeah. right? But, yeah. but there's truth to that. And so when you think about people who are designing things, they are designing it purposefully and it's yeah. not neutral. Yeah. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name's Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Dave and Abby, good to see you Hello. once again. Good to see you, Thanks too. Thanks for joining us here in the hallway, everybody. All right, folks, if you are new here, we find topics or questions or quotes from books that we are reading and we circle around them. We explore each other's thinking. That said, if you have ideas or questions or quotes or feedback about this podcast or you just want to share what hallway conversations you're having at your school, please email us at hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Friends, last week we had a check-in question that somehow we ended up talking about that some small towns in Iowa have loops. The loop. Uh Cruise the loop. And I noticed on one of our Twitter accounts, David, it might have been yours, we had confirmation for someone that Pella, Pella Iowa has a loop. Pella, Pella, Pella Iowa has a loop. So That's pretty great. I honestly, when we left here, I thought you guys were actually sort of joking about this loop thing. But but I think this, I think the person even said her parents met in the loop. Yes. Right? Yeah, or a sibling or something. Well, missed out. Yeah, apparently. The loop, the loop exists. So, Dave, you have a check-in I question do. for today. Okay, so I'm showing my geeky hand here. Uh, I love science fiction films, right? Yeah. I, I love fantasy films. So here's here's the check-in question. Imagine you're in a science fiction or fantasy film, yeah. and you're about to ride into battle. Wow. You're riding into battle. Um, you are going to ride on some beast. So what creature would you take? You're going to take this creature and enlarge it to the size of a horse and ride it into battle. Or shrink it. Or shrink it to the size of a horse. Does it have to be real? Is this mythical? Oh, it can be anything you want. Your, your creativity is key. I'll tell you mine. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ride a scorpion. I'm going to take a scorpion, oh, I'm going to increase it to the size of a horse, and I'm riding it into battle and just try to avoid getting stung or clipped with its pinchers myself. Wow. That's very specific. <laughs> I've thought about this. You have thought about this. <laughs> I have not. Abigail, what's, what's coming to your mind? <laughs> the only thing I can think of. Okay, have you all watched Coco, yeah, the Disney yeah. movie? Oh, it's, so yeah. good. it's so good. Okay, yes. there's this there's this huge cat that yeah. this family has, right? Like that's what I would do. <laughs> there it's you super go. colorful right. rainbow. I can't remember what it's called. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. Yes. <laughs> that is what I would choose. Awesome. That would the be cat me. from Coco the is that you're riding into battle? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I want to ride into battle. Have you seen the movie? I want to ride into battle with you. Have you <laughs> seen the movie? It's awesome. I have seen the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. How about you, Matthew? Can't get the cat out of my mind. <laughs> I would shrink an orca whale, mm. and I would go into battle wearing hockey equipment, and I would have hockey sticks, and they would shoot pucks at people. <laughs> Yes. There it is, folks. That's majestic. <laughs> that is more majestic than riding a cat. Just say something about us. I'm a little worried. Yeah, totally. About, like, <laughs> you know? Maybe we should just stop right now. Psychoanalysis. A scorpion, a cat, yeah, yeah. and a killer whale. I feel like cat is too t- It's like a leopard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a ferocious it's a beast. It's not, oh, like a, it's not like a cat cat. 
It's like a huge <laughs> jaguarish leopardy. Does it roar? Yes, there's roar. There is definitely roaring. Roaring. <laughs> Perfect. Hard. That's a hard word to say. Yeah. Roaring. <laughs> All right. All right. So I have a question today from a listener, um, and this is coming from Joseph in California, and he emailed me, and in full disclosure, Joseph is a recent graduate from our Master of Ed program, mm. and so I, I taught him. Uh, he's brilliant. He's, he's fantastic. We he love you, Joseph. Me. Yeah. He reached out to me because he's in his first year as an ed tech specialist for mm. K-12 school, and he had a question okay. for me. So I'm just going to read a, a piece of his email, too. He said this was fine, by the way, to bring this to okay. the podcast. Okay. Our K-12 school has been having a lot of issues this year with how our students use their school laptops. Namely, students are using them to look at all sorts of inappropriate stuff while at home, and many are using them super late into the night for a variety of reasons, even including schoolwork. This is mostly prevalent, most prevalently a problem at the middle school level, but students at every grade level exhibit at least some of these behaviors. We're having some pretty huge conversations as administrators here about how we expect and desire these devices to be used by students, but admittedly, the school feels pretty culpable for issuing these devices and therefore everything that they're capable of to the families without a lot of explanation or restrictions on them. We find that many parents aren't aware of how their students have been using their school laptops at home until we notify them about red flags we receive from our network. We've asked ourselves about our degree of responsibility for creating these habits, and with the school having an ed tech for the first time, hello, <laughs> we want to be even more proactive about meeting the needs of our students in every regard. Your advice is welcome. So, what do you do? We've got school-issued devices. We find out that students are using them possibly in inappropriate ways or at inappropriate times. What advice do we have? Hmm. Let's just think out loud together. About so, that. so a couple things, just to, like a couple of words I wrote down as uh, you were reading that email. So he, he made, he used the word the school's feeling um, culpable. Mm because they issued these devices without much explanation. So to me there, so how do we write that wrong? I don't want to say wrong, is that, but how do, how, do we, yeah, how do we do better in that area, right? So one of the things that came to, to my mind is um, what does parent education look oh, like? Yeah. Right? How do we educate parents? Like, like I, I know for myself, I've, I've got teen, young adult children, I've got a teenage children, um, there's a lot of education I need around um, technolo- the technology that they have ho- at home. Like my my daughter was also issued a, a computer by the school that she attends. She's she's in high school, and she just has it. And I'm not and and full disclosure here, they may have sent stuff home about it. So I'm not yeah. like I just, but I'm just yeah. saying like I just wonder about like for their situation. It says mm-hmm. we're feeling bad. We sent this home. There wasn't. Okay, so how how do we how do we restore that right? Is can how do we have a parent evening? How do we um, yeah. bring people together in community, not even via email, and just say, hey, here's three or four or five things we've noticed, five four mm-hmm. or five trends, and we just want to say, hey, here's we will make you aware of it. Here's ways that we can partner together, like we're partnering. Yeah. Um, maybe it means pausing on sending them home every day until we have that parent meeting, mm-hmm. like. Like, I just think they've, it seems like they've identified mm-hmm. things if we could do it over, maybe we would do it over. But that, yeah, yeah. but I sometimes think that doesn't mean it's 
too late to do some of those things. Right. So that would be, that's the first thing that, that brought, um, came to mind is to say, hey, how do we be proactive instead of having to inform parents after mm -hmm. they find this out? Hey, let's bring everybody right. together. Or even if they take them back in in the summer, which I imagine they do, yeah. and then yeah. send them out, right? So how do we send them out better, right? Yeah. That maybe that looks like a, a meeting before you're issued, before you can physically take the device home, yeah. Yeah. right? There has to be some sort of training or yeah. presentation yeah. or... And I really like your point, Matt, about yeah. it's, it's okay to pause on this, right? Mm -hmm. Just because totally. we're in the thick of it doesn't mean we can't pause and reflect and, and rethink and, and do a little deliberation about are we right. doing what we think we're doing? What's the learning mm -hmm. target for yeah. issuing and, these computers? And we've talked here before about Again, I don't know whatever like to say. Oh, this was a mistake. I don't. I'm not going to no, assume no. that, Joseph. I don't want to assume that about your school. But, but you know, this idea. If we're going to use that language, right? We've talked here before about the importance of it. Hey, it's okay to to model making mistakes and trying new things. Like yes. we're doing things for the first time. Right. Yeah. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna hit a home run every time, and mm -hmm. and that makes sense. Like like I my I had a couple of other questions as I was thinking about it. Is hey, are there are there things on computers that you know you can put on there that hey means you can't access like hey be, yeah yeah you know like some sort of software like i know my daughter has said this for i i just want to play sims on my school computer but i'm because of they blocked it i can't play any games yeah. on there and i don't know if that's a possibility of hey how do we um, partner with parents there by making sure students can access some of the things and i know students Everybody has a way to get around always everything. Around. There's always right. a way, yeah. right? <laughs> but how do we, yeah, just how do we try to even set them up, right. set them up for success? And I, and I even think, you know, because some of the stuff that they're doing, he says in the email, is schoolwork. Right. Yeah. That's right? right. So it's not that they're always accessing things yeah. they shouldn't access, yeah. but maybe that their habits are not healthy around yeah. tech. Yeah. And I also think, in addition to parents, educating the students is actually really important yeah. 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 at this level, right? So. Middle school students can understand how their yeah. brains work and how technology is hijacking their mm -hmm. brains mm -hmm. and how, you know, how the internet works to sell you things and right. all <laughs> of those things, right? And that might actually motivate them yeah. to change their own habits in ways that their yeah. parents putting limits on them yeah, might, or might, might cause other yeah. behaviors. Dave, we, I feel like we've mentioned before this concept of digital citizenship. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Because I'm thinking about some schools talk about this idea of hey how do we how do we equip or empower students through good mm -hmm. digital citizenship in terms of hey being aware of the how formative technology mm -hmm. is of what it you know it's a tool in the toolbox what it's for and not for but I felt like you had a bit of tension around that term of digital citizenship yeah some. So what does it mean to be a good citizen? Right. And and I think that that's the bigger question, right? Like to, to try to parcel things off and say, well, this is just my citizenship for my digital life. It's more like how, mm -hmm. how are you going to be as a human being in the world, right. both in your face-to-face -face interactions yeah. and your online interactions, yeah. And, and, yeah, how you use all of your resources, you know, devices that you might have access to or others. And so that's that's my, okay. my caution a little bit yeah. with that. But that said, you know, okay, I think back to my time. I used to be a technology director for yeah. a K-8 Christian school. I love that job, and a lot of it was providing tech support for teachers and students, yeah. but I also taught medias and media and computers classes, yeah. and that was always kind of a weird feeling for me because 
Okay, like what? What's the role? Am I teaching content, or am I teaching procedures skills. and skills? Yeah. Like what? What am I actually teaching students? And so I tried to always connect the projects I was doing in that class to things they were doing in mm -hmm. content areas. And so we tried to make real content area projects, but then I would just teach them the tech skills and then give them the time to work on it and develop it. That said, what you're bringing up here, I think, Matt, is this idea like students do need something some like formative instruction yeah. and and it comes to what you were saying mm -hmm. too Abby I think there's a pretty good book I'm gonna get the title of it wrong I think it's like 10 things your phone is doing to you or something like that and it just gets at like these different ways that the way we use technology today shapes our behaviors mm -hmm. yeah. and and I know of a, a teacher at a local Christian school who's used a, a book like that at least with students to try to just open their eyes a little bit to mm -hmm. Yeah, this little glowing screen that you carry on in your pocket, it has a magnetic pull on your attention. Yep. And it's doing things to you. And yeah, that's happening for our teens, yes, but it's happening for adults too. And so I point the finger at myself here, and it always makes me uncomfortable when I get that screen time report at the end Ugh, of the week. I hate and, that. and I see, man, I've spent four hours a day on average on my phone mm -hmm. this week. Oh, oh that would be a good day for me. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, you but know. It, and, and so if I'm this, I, I'm an adult, and I'm like yeah. becoming more and more aware of how I use technology in my day-to-day -day yeah. life, right? Yeah. And so those are little nudges, at least. It's it, The whole idea of, of it being so formative is really intriguing to me because, again, just coming back to Joseph's, to, to Joseph's email, this idea of, like, we're, we're noticing things pop up that concern us. And, yeah. and I'll, say as a, I'll say now as a parent, so this isn't for Joseph, but as a parent, it, it's interesting to me sort of this idea of, of it's okay as long as they're not looking at oh, yeah, yeah. fill in the blank, mm -hmm. right? And those are usually things around pornography, mm -hmm. though as long as they're not looking at, you know, like what are, the, what are our deepest fears? Right. But, but my worry about it when I think about it as, formative, as, as a formative practice is this idea of like, well, how much, how much time are you spending on Amazon? Right. How much time are you mm -hmm. spending on this shopping? Like, because those are formative in a way that I think that, that we, I'll use I language, sorry, that I tend to um, underestimate the formative power of things right. like that. You know, as long as you're not looking at anything sexual, spend all the time you want on Amazon. Like Amazon. Well, it's interesting. So my kids are little, and so anything is a little bit more pronounced, right, yeah. in mm -hmm. it. And so mm -hmm. my six-year-old had some trouble last week, some behaviors. Yeah. And um, ended oh, up. Oh, do tell. And his uh, his consequence at home that his dad and I came up with was he got zero screen time yeah. for for five school days. Um, and so the things that I've noticed, and he again, like we have YouTube kids, we have some pretty strong filters at our house. Yeah. I am not worried about him being yeah. able to find yeah. questionable content. Yeah. Right. Like I I feel like I've put enough parameters in right. his device yeah. that he he watches Minecraft videos yeah. or yeah. he watches like those weird videos where the yeah. adults play with the toys or whatever. You know what I, <laughs> I mean? I know what like, you're talking about. If but you didn't mostly, know this was a thing, people... Yeah, mostly <laughs> Minecraft. And yeah. so I'm not worried about the content, but I have noticed since he has not been able to have his screen time, mm -hmm. the differences, mm. right? Some of the skills that he is picking up again now yeah. that he doesn't have access yeah. to a screen. And so it's definitely formative, right? He played with his um, magnetic you know, blocks for yeah. the longest time. And I'm like, I don't remember the last time that I've seen you do that. Right. Yeah. And so that was an eye opener for me about 
the ways that even having the technology yeah. mm-hmm. is shaping his habits. Yeah. Right? yeah, and that's why for me, I mean, hundred percent. That's why I go. So a, it's it's forming and shaping. It's it's yeah. formative no matter what. No mm-hmm. matter what. Yep. Right. And and the, there's good formation too yes. that can happen to that. So let's not. I'm not using formative as this right. This evil dark word. But I think just to acknowledge there's mm-hmm. a formative aspect to it. So how do we want it forming us? Mm-hmm. And then I think for me, the second part is a larger discussion about when we use the term questionable content. Mm-hmm. Is that should we be questioning the content more and having conversations about how it's forming us, right? This idea of, to me, I, I keep coming back to this idea of like one of the, how do we help our students? How do we help our children love the right things mm-hmm. right and so how how is technology what is what is technology and the story of technology um what is that teaching us to love and i think it can help us love the right things like that's why i'm not saying it's a gift from god and if it's a gift from god it can form and shape us and help us point us towards true north i just sometimes wonder if we're if we're if we're naive if i'm naive about how I can think that something is neutral is not neutral. Yeah. Like Amazon is not neutral, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Or spending all that time on whatever YouTube channels oh, man, is it's not easy though. To- 100%. <laughs> For sure. Abby, totally. That's why. But I know. 100%. It's just, so, but just to acknowledge even, but yeah. the non neutrality, there's. Yes. That's, and that's what I was going to say. So our colleagues in engineering talk about that sometimes. It's non-neutral. Like technologies are never neutral, no. right? They're always doing something to you. Yeah. And like the old example is if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail, yeah. right? But, yeah. but there's truth to that. And so when you think about people who are designing things, they are designing it purposefully, and it's not neutral. Yeah. Um, but what you were saying before, Matt, about that formative nature, though, I grabbed a book off my shelf here because I thought I might bring it up, and I'm going to here. Um, David Smith um, and a couple of colleagues, Kara Sevensma, Marjorie Terpstra, and Stephen McCullen, uh, had a book a couple of years ago called Digital Life Together. Um, I highly recommend this book, and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, it, it really is a qualitative case study of a couple of Christian schools and the way that they're using technology. And it, it, that maybe doesn't sound like a real central way to read for all the readers, right? The EdTech guy would be mm-hmm. just like geeky out about this. But it was very helpful for me when I read it just to think about the kinds of questions that Joseph is asking. Um, and so I would recommend this book um, because it will, it, like, if you read it, it will start to cause you to ask different kinds of questions mm-hmm. about what are we doing with technology in school and why are we doing it that way? And yeah, I'm not arguing. I'm, I've, I've become kind of a, I'm a technophile but I'm also an ed tech skeptic, right? Mm-hmm. Both of those things are true at the same yeah. time. I love technology and I also doubt a lot of the promises that people make about how technology mm-hmm. is gonna save education or transform education. Yeah. And one of the takeaways I had from this book was if, if the only thing we're doing in schools with bringing in a laptop is replacing another task, yeah. I don't think that's enough of a reason. Like, yeah. So if I was gonna have my students handwrite notes versus type their notes and that's the only thing that is a terrible reason to have everybody but they have a laptop right if there's something that the technology allows me to transform some part of my teaching practice then we should have a conversation about that right like so i guess that would be my my big challenge for the educators out there if you're going to think about using digital technologies and bringing those into your classroom how how are you bringing it in and, and if it's just substituting one technology pencil and paper for another laptop, that's probably not enough of a value add to warrant doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, but I would, I would then also go as far to say for school leadership, 
who wants to move towards one-to-one -to -one technology, yep. you cannot, you should not and cannot do this. And I've been a principal in school that has made, I think we made this, we made the decision and the mistake we made was we didn't give enough support and resources and professional development yeah. to teachers. Yeah. We did kind of what, what Joseph is, is talking about, hey, we did this to parents, like we feel mm -hmm. culpable. I look back now and, and feel some culpability about we're going to one to one teachers. You make this work without yeah. giving the training. Right. Now some of them, some of them did it well, and yep. but others, it's like how how do I do this well? Yeah. And and I think we were culpable of that of saying so. I think what does it mean? So as a school leadership, what does it mean to partner with our teachers to set them up for success for yeah. the sake of student learning? But then how do we also partner with parents? Right. So if I'm thinking now, thinking specifically of Christian schools, I'm thinking about this idea, we are partners, and I think it's true of in public schools too, we're partners in these children's education, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And in the end, I'm a big I'm a big believer that parents are the primary educators of their children. Um, and if if we're partnering with them, but we see them that way, then we have to also set our parents up up for success. So, so I would say like for Joseph even just to say, hey, like to ask your parents, what do you need from us to help you succeed in this? And if you had the chance to do it over again, how would you do it differently? And even if it's six months later, start there. Like, start there. If it was August, what would we do differently? Well, it's January, February. Let's pretend we're getting a do-over and at least at least try mm -hmm. to write, write the ship. So I appreciate Joseph's vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Just, just to raise the question, that. right? Totally. Because that... technology is going to transform it in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. So let's just be intentional about how yeah. we're transforming things. Yeah, and I think I think it just I think it speaks well of a school leadership team that can look at them that can say, hey, how could we do this differently? Or like I think even that takes a lot of courage. And to even be what are what are the effects of this decision? How is this affecting? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead yeah. of making a decision and saying the decision's been made, yeah. but actually to call, we ask our students to reflect. I think well done for them to reflect as a leadership team for sure um, on the impact of it all. Friends, we know that your time is valuable and we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. Whether it is this day, this week, this month, or this school year, we hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. And as you go into this day, we want to send you with this blessing. To our listeners, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. Guys, this is so bad. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'll just leave it all. Yeah. <laughs>